0: You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com and definitely check out those shows as well. go to zibbyowens.com. Soon Wiley is the author of When We Fell Apart, a novel. A native of Nyack, New York, Soon Wiley received his BA in English and Philosophy from Connecticut College. He holds an MFA in creative writing from Wichita State University. His writing has been nominated for a Pushcart Prize and earned him fellowships in Wyoming and France. He resides in Connecticut with his wife and their two cats. Welcome, Soon. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss When We Fell Apart.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: The answer to this for me is like every single day, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> every or morning, be, every yeah. morning before eight. <laughs> it could just be
2: present tense, right? Or, yeah, or exactly. just continuously falling apart.
0: Yes. Mine would be when we fall apart. But anyway, <laughs> can you tell listeners a little about what this book is about and your inspiration for it?
2: Yeah. So the, the story follows our protagonist, Min, who's a Korean American. He's, uh, he's also biracial and he's... Kind of recently graduated from college and the the book begins set in Seoul and he's decided to move to Seoul in the hopes of kind of finding a sense of belonging in terms of his identity, but also in terms of his career. So he, a few years before this, he's graduated. He doesn't really love his job. So he decides to take a, a job in, in Seoul in Korea. But the book actually opens with the the death of his girlfriend, Yujin. And the the police are kind of adamant that it's a suicide, but Min is kind of has his has his suspicions. And so the novel opens with kind of the announcement of her death. And we actually get her perspectives as well. So for Min's chapters he's kind of searching for answers in the present of the novel, trying to figure out what exactly happened, if she did kind of take her own life, and if she did, why. And Eugen's chapters, we also get her perspective. Those begin well before she's actually even met Min. So those begin kind of when she's in high school. And her chapters kind of, at some point, they cross. So in the middle of the novel, eventually, she catch her timeline catches up to his while he's searching. But her, not, her kind of sections unravel the mystery of why exactly she might have done what she did. So there's kind of this back and forth, and we do kind of hear from both of them, but that's kind of the, the book in a nutshell.
0: When he finds out about her death, it was just so, like, the scene that you have where he's just like, this is impossible because I just saw her, right? Hmm. There is that sense of when someone dies suddenly that you're just like, well, it, it couldn't possibly happen like that because... I have proof that this person was alive because it was just a few hours ago. It's so it's somehow just so hard to wrap your mind around the instant you know that there's just the second that you go from being. I, this is sounding ridiculous, but I don't know. You captured it very well. His complete shock and initial just unwillingness to accept what's happened, given what he knows of recent events.
2: Yeah, no, I, I, I you know, it's funny. I worked on that scene where the detective, right, is kind yep. of explaining to him what's happened. And that, to be honest, that chapter took the longest to write, even though it's it's one of the earliest ones. But yeah, I, I wanted to capture that sense of, you know, I think we've all experienced that sense of kind of disbelief, right, of death in general, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of, it feels so immediate and it feels so sudden. And then, especially in the case of, right, of, of kind of someone taking their own life, that kind of adds another layer of disbelief, especially if this is someone who, Showed no signs, right, uh, of any kind of distress, which is something that adds kind of another layer of doubt for Min that that he kind of can't even really comprehend that this is this is what's happening.
0: Wow! And by the way, it does not open with that; it opens with this excruciating <laughs> like shoulder injury on the rugby field, where it, you know it's so funny with books because you never know exactly what you're going to get when you open up a book, and then. You know, here I am just like sitting trying to read. And the next thing you know, I'm like in the midst of a rugby field with like my shoulder hurting. you know what I mean? How you can just totally lose yourself in these characters. And I was thinking to myself, like, it's very rare to open, or maybe it's the books I read mostly, I don't know. But I, I feel like it's very rare to open mid-athletic event, mm. which is silly <laughs> because athletic events have especially competition and physical. I mean, those are some of the most edge of your seat events and things that can happen around like why isn't that an opening scene more often do you know what i mean because you're you I'm, you I'm
2: setting the trend of of you know now we're going to see all all new novels are going to be opening mid mid-athletic injury event yes yeah totally i'm,
0: I'm rewriting the my next book <laughs> just <laughs> uh no i'm kidding but i i do found i found it to be a very it was a great opening scene and then uh, i also found it really and tell me if this is actually true, and if it is, and I'm just totally ignorant, so be it. I wouldn't be surprised. But <laughs> do they really pause all the things in Seoul for these exams? Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that yeah, a true that's thing? a
2: that's a real thing. Oh my gosh! You know, and and I was I was there. So I, I lived in Seoul uh, I, for a year teaching English as a foreign language, and this was well before I was thinking about writing a book or or anything. But I, I remember you know, the day quite well that it was just everyone knew about the day. I mean, it's essentially almost like a national holiday, right? Or like a bank holiday where, you know, the country pretty much shuts down and there's this, I don't know. I think you could look at it as a positive and also a negative. So it's a positive in the sense of like the country comes together and like collectively makes it easier for kids to get to school on this really important day where they have to take exams. But then there's also this kind of immense, like national collective pressure, right? Because like, you're kind of aware of the fact that everyone knows that this is the day, but yes, they, that experience of kind of taking that, that test for high schoolers a little bit different than when I took my SATs or my GRE, which I remember just being a total disaster.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was in this like terrible high school situation that I've never been in before. And Oh my gosh! Anyway, whatever my essay. <laughs> it was a long, long time ago. Yes. Okay. So, tell me about the dual timeline of this whole the dual bo- yeah. points of view because there are sometimes there's controversy of whether different genders can inhabit different characters' mm-hmm. roles and you know all of that. And then I know you focus a lot on. On this sort of identity as being and which you've written about and there in your um, in the book club guide you wrote really interestingly about growing up where people didn't know your ethnicity and would always mm-hmm. ask and make guesses and you never kind of felt like inhabiting yeah. anything. Um so tell me about that and sort of ownership of identity and the ability to write about it, just like go off yeah. on that that tangent. I
2: mean, so I I mean I George Saunders, you know, he had a book, his, his most recent book, a swim, I think, it's a really complicated title, but A Swim in a in a Pond in the Rain, I think. And he talks a lot about writing from different perspectives. And I think in general, right, it's really important for writers, like the whole point of writing fiction is to inhabit characters that aren't you, right? I mean, that yes. <laughs> that is the act of fiction, right, is that you sit there and you imagine deeply and you kind of enter this headspace of where you're in a, an imaginary character And I think most books would be pretty bad if writers only inhabited characters that were like themselves, or at least that doesn't really sound that fun to me. But Saunders, Mm. in one of the essays in that book, talks about sometimes when that can go wrong or when readers feel as if, okay, this is no longer this is now bordering on offensive, right, where we've got a, a writer of a certain identity writing about something that isn't a shared experience for them. And there's some something happens right where the reader maybe feels as if "Eh, i don't know if i'm still on board with this knowing what i know about the writer and saunders actually just says which i I quite like is that it might just be that the writing is bad and that's (laughs) what offends you right it's not that the writer is a bigot or that they have you know specific offensive ideas about this person that they're characterizing but it might just be that the writing is bad which I kind of like that explanation. And for me, I mean, so I, you know, Min is a character who uh, we have a lot of shared experiences. We're both biracial, we're both Korean. We both went and lived in Korea for some time. And I think that, you know, for a lot of debut novelists, I think, I mean, this is painting with broad strokes, but their first book is is close, right, to them in some way. And so that was a, an avenue in for me, at least into his character, but the funny, the funny thing is, is that when I first wrote the book, it was only from from his perspective. Oh. And then I finished a, a draft of it and I thought, you know, this is okay. Uh, it, it got me an agent, which I was thankful for, but it didn't, I, I knew that there were some things lacking and it also felt a little bit, felt odd to me that that we are going to follow this male character who then finds himself like through the death of his girlfriend who we never got to hear from, it just felt a little bit odd, right? Mm -hmm. Like boy meets girl, girl dies, boy finds himself and is like happy. (laughs) Right. It just feels, it felt a little bit odd not to hear from her. So I put his sections aside and then I actually wrote her point of view. And I actually, you know, I, I said to myself, okay, well let's like, what would her voice sound like? And she was already a character in the book. She was already fully formed. She had lines of dialogue, but we just never got her perspective. And so I started writing her chapters and, you know, from the first, per- uh, first person perspective. And those chapters were actually far more fun to write. And they were actually easier to write than Min's. Mm-hmm. So kind of if I could aggregate like time spent, it was like 60%, 70% on Min's chapters and the rest was on Eugene's chapters and for some reason her character her voice and her experience which are obviously have nothing to do with anything that i experienced were far easier to write which i kind of spe- speaks to kind of what your initial question is about is just that you know fiction is really about imagining and kind of putting yourself in in the shoes of characters that you really have nothing in common with and so sometimes the characters that you're actually closer to personally right and that you do have shared experience with Sometimes those are harder to write, because I think you're you're then bringing all sorts of like personal baggage, right, which isn't isn't always that helpful in some ways it is, but in some ways it isn't.
0: Wow, well, that is very interesting. See, this is what you never know. like <laughs> I would never have thought that that her that her chapters were not part of this initial thing because that felt so that feels so integral to the whole story. But there you go. This is why these conversations are so interesting
2: <laughs> to me. Yeah, like, and it's it's probably you know, and it's a good thing too because I I think it makes it certainly makes the book better. I hope.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I was like totally rooting for her and her success to like get out. It when her parents were like, "We're going to come move to Seoul too, or we're going to come move <laughs> in with you for college." She was like, uh, <laughs> "Please don't."
2: Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm sure some some kids, depending on what age they're reading it, are are going, God, I hope hope that doesn't happen to me.
0: Yeah. Although I kind of get it as a parent. I'm like, oh, well, how great. Let's pretend my kid went to like, <laughs> you know, Santa Barbara. That would be yeah, nice to perfect. live in Santa we'll, Barbara, you know? <laughs>
2: we'll move the family for four years.
0: Yeah, exactly. Real estate
2: college at the same, you know. Exactly. Perfect. Anyway,
0: perfect. So this was your first novel. Tell me about getting into fiction writing at all at this point, like what you've been doing alongside yeah. it.
2: So I guess I first started writing when I was, you know, kind of in college, I was trying things out. I, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't consider myself a writer. I wasn't, uh, I was an English major, but I, I don't even think we could major in creative writing at my, the school I went to. And I, on a whim, I kind of entered this short story contest at my college and I didn't win first place, but I I shared first place with one of my good college friends. And I had, there was a writing teacher there named Blanche Boyd, and she emailed me and she was like, who are you? Why don't I know who you are? Why aren't you in my class? So I ended up taking one creative writing class with her, um, my like last year, basically in college. And she was very adamant, you know, she said, don't get your MFA, just go like kind of live your life and, you know. You can always go to school later. And so I did that. I went to Korea and then I ended up applying to MFA programs two years after that. And I was, you know, just predominantly working on short stories. But I I still, you know, and I, I think a lot of writers feel like this. I didn't feel like a writer. I mean, kind of when when your friends are all doing normal jobs, like making money, actually living their lives in the real world, like going to graduate school is a very kind of bizarre Thing, Especially for creative writing, because you don't actually need a degree to write creatively. So it already feels kind of stupid. (laughs) You know, so I was doing that. So that was actually in Kansas, funnily enough. So they gave me like the most money. So I just went there. And you know i was writing creative writing stories and then but then i kind of saw the writing on the wall in terms of jobs and so i ended up becoming a high school english teacher so i got a great gig teaching english um in dc and that was i worked there for 7 years and pretty much when i started my job there i started working on this book and i didn't really know you know it was my first novel i didn't know what it was or what was going to happen but it felt good to write something that I knew I didn't have to workshop because in graduate school, you have to workshop everything and you have to get feedback. So the book basically took me seven years. So from the time I started that job in DC, and then I live in Connecticut now, but I, I worked at that job in DC for seven years. And so basically from start to finish, that's how long it took me to get kind of the the book kind of Everything written, revised, agents, editors, that whole kind of thing. So it's it's kind of wild because I think in in some parts of the book I wrote seven years ago, and then other parts I wrote you know a year ago. So it's very odd to kind of think about you know well you know this like you you you're a different person right you're you're different and you're the same but then it's weird that the book is this kind of single single entity. So there's kind of this magic trick I think that as a writer you kind of have to inhabit this weird. Book space that isn't reliant on time or anything like that, just so that it can be like a single entity that makes sense.
0: Totally. Plus, maybe you're getting better as a writer as the years go on. I
2: I hope. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that I think that's true, also, right? So then it's like that's also the concern, right? Is like, okay, if I'm getting better as a writer, which you hope, does that mean that the beginning of the book? is like crap and the end of the book Mm -hmm. is really good. And then you kind of have to go back. And then I also think one of the things I was really paranoid about is, okay, I've revised the first like 80 pages of the book, probably a hundred times. Cause you know, those are the pages that you're working on the most. Those are the pages, maybe you're submitting to agents or editors. And also if you're editing, you usually start from the beginning, or at least I do. So then the end of the book, I probably didn't revise nearly as much as the first. So, so maybe that's actually how it works is that you're better by the end. So you don't have to revise as much. And that's why you've had to revise so much in the beginning, but I'm not sure how it works.
0: Yeah. Maybe everybody should read our books backwards.
2: I I mean, maybe that (laughs) kind of (laughs) like that idea, actually. The
0: sample chapter out there should not be at the beginning. It should, should definitely be a later chapter.
2: Exactly. It's funny.
0: so are you working on a new project
2: yeah uh yes i you know so i was fortunate enough to to get a a two book deal so i i am kind of working on something which also is a very weird process because when i was working on the first book i didn't know that it was going to be published so there was a certain kind of freedom to that because freedom and and anxiety right of of like okay i'm working on this thing for seven years It might never get published. That's scary. Um, (laughs) But now I'm working on something and I'm like, this is definitely going to get published. And that's actually scarier. And, you know, again, I mean, to to work on something for seven years, it feels, I think, I feel like the time spent on it, you know, has made it a strong fiction kind of effort. But to then write a book and I don't know, I'm going to have to. (laughs) Can't be seven years, that's for (laughs) sure. So it's going to be interesting. I think the process will be really different.
0: Wow. And you can't say anything about that?
2: I think it it will be in the same vein as, so in When We Fell Apart, I was very interested in trying to write, you know, successfully, hopefully, a mystery and a literary book. So You know, those are the kind of books that I that I really enjoy. So I think I'm going to write something. It, I'm working on something in a similar vein of of kind of a, a mystery at the center of it, but hopefully something with some kind of literary aspirations. So what are some
0: of those books that you love that are in that genre?
2: Um, I, you know, it's so funny. A book that I didn't read until, so Celestings Everything I Never Told You. Mm-hmm. I was working on my book. And that book came out and I had a friend mention it to me and I was like, I can't read this book right now. Cause you know, sometimes when you read stuff that is a little bit too close to home, it can be a little bit demoralizing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah, you know, she's done it. So I might yeah. as well just pack it in now. Yeah, But I did eventually read that. and And that to me is kind of a, a really fantastic example of a, of a kind of a, a mystery, but with kind of real kind of meaty questions, right? And kind of big questions to, to discuss, you know, something we don't, I, I don't think Sally Rooney's normal people is built as a mystery at all, but there is real mystery there. Like the characters are mysteries and, and kind of what's going on at home and what's the deal with the families and kind of the family dynamics there. So that's, that's one of my favorites as well. And then I'm also a huge Haruki Murakami fan. So the, the Japanese author, and he's always got kind of some mystery bubbling beneath the surface, even if it's really something dumb, like this green little monster showed up in my backyard and I don't know how to get rid of it. I think that's how one of his short stories begins. And then the British writer, Kazuo Ishiguro, who Mm -hmm. I think his most recent book, Clara and the Sun, Mm -hmm. but he's always got some type of, and again, those aren't really, you know, traditional mystery novels, but I think they always have some kind of like narrative thread that's pulling us through, right? That we kind of want to know, even if it's as vague as like, I don't really know what's going on here. So I'm going to kind of keep reading to find out.
0: Well, I have to admit, I did not read Clara and the Sun, although I knew all about it and wish I had done so. <laughs> but I did get to see him accept an award at, I think it was either the Poets and Writers or Center for Fiction. or Yeah, Center for um, Fiction, I think, for was Fiction. last
2: year. Yeah, yes, or yes. Two years ago.
0: So... I feel like now I got to know him a little bit and, uh, <laughs> you know, he was so humble and yet so well-spoken and anyway, it's on my list. It's on that. Well, I, list.
2: for me, like his, um, remains of the day, which is also yeah. an amazing movie, um, mm-hmm. with Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson. I, I probably shouldn't plug the movie that's sacrilegious, but the, <laughs> that book is like phenomenal. It's one of my favorite books and, and very much has kind of a, a mystery to it. So.
0: Yeah. If only there were more time.
2: I know. I know. You, well, you need a lot more time because I, you've got a lot of books to read, a lot more books than I have to read.
0: I should start another podcast of just like books I've missed. You know what I mean? Like books I wish I'd read. Yeah. Just listing
2: or just listing books that you need to read. Oh, I could do that.
0: Yeah. Well, then it's (laughs) embarrassing to me. Then it's like, then people can see how completely, uh, you know, how many holes I have in my, in my reading repertoire. So let's not call attention to that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's, it's a, it's a Herculean effort though. I mean, I, I think, you know, for, for people that don't know the publishing industry, once I've had a few friends just say, I can't believe like how many books come out every Mm -hmm. week, right? It's like this machine and it's endless. And, you know, there, there are more books released than like, Netflix shows and, you Mm -hmm. know, it's, it's, it's endless. So I think you should be commended regardless of of your, (laughs) of your number of books read. (laughs) Thank
0: you. It is, it is impossible. And I think a lot about this, but this is like a whole separate conversation. (laughs) So the, the supply and demand of the publishing industry and how there is just not, is there enough time and are there enough readers to justify how many books are always coming out? Does it make sense? Should there be some more limits? Like, I, I don't know. I feel like there's an I, tot- I
2: totally agree. I mean, I, I feel like, and, and again, this is probably not content that no one wants to hear <laughs> tuning into <laughs> this podcast. But, you know, I was thinking about, I haven't seen Top Gun yet, but, you know, it's like that harkens back to a time when there were like three or four summer movies, right? And it was like, okay, Top Gun, let's go see the, the one summer movie that's out. And I do wonder ab- about that in terms of books, where it does seem like you know there po- there can't possibly be this many people that want to read this many books. So it's it's kind of interesting to see. I, I think what what will happen in in the future.
0: I think that is why I felt so relieved seeing the new Top Gun <laughs> <laughs> because because I literally felt like it it was like oh there are still like big movies that keep me riveted like my attention span for movies and TV is is has declined, I think, as I read more. Right. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm just like, oh, great. We're all going to see this movie. How nice. We can talk about yeah. the same thing. But I think that's why there's now this over-reliance on, on book club picks, right? And mm,
2: then, um, right. Like, just tell me what to read. Just tell, tell, tell me, me what, what to read. Read. You which know, is, yeah, I'm,
0: Which I'm kind of trying to do with this podcast, right? <laughs> with curation. But yet I have like 365 episodes a year. So it's not totally curated, but I'm hoping people find at least, you know, honestly, even picking this many is winnowing it down from like the bazillions that, that could be read. So
2: I think in 10 years, we're going to have a podcast that aggregates the podcast that you should listen to. Right. I mean, that's kind of like where we're at. We've got so many podcasts that we're going to need someone to tell us which podcast to listen to and also which book club picks to pick.
0: Mm. (laughs) Maybe we can do that. <laughs> there is yeah. something called Good Pods where you can like follow recommendations okay. of your friends.
2: Got it. See, it's already happening.
0: It's already happening. You're <laughs> you're behind already. I'm sorry. You know. Good luck. Okay. Last question. What advice do you have for aspiring authors?
2: You know, I I'm a big believer in just keep writing. I, I think that's what separates people that succeed and and people that don't. And and if you're if you're willing to at whatever stage you're at to keep writing regardless of setbacks and regardless of i think time spent i think we we have a very warped perception of like years years spent working on something and and the kind of payoff so if you're okay with working on something for 10 years um which which again sounds crazy but then i think in in novel years it 10 years actually isn't that long, which is also scary to think about. So yeah, just keep writing no matter what. I, I think that's really what separates the people that find success and and the people that maybe, you know, tap out. Just, it's not for me. I'm, I'm out of the game.
0: <laughs> I wonder what other art forms or, or whatever take so long. <laughs> and then to read doesn't take that long at all. Like I spent almost 18 years on this memoir on and off and people are like, I read it in three hours or something. I'm like, that's great. (laughs) Does that even make sense? Like, should I, you know what I mean? Like all that time for me. And then, you know, then up and then they put it down onto the next. It's like,
2: well, I I think I, I, I completely agree with that sentiment. I've experienced that as well. When people say I read it in one night, it's like, i I'm so happy that you did, but also how is that possible that right. you consume something in, in a single night? But I, I agree also to your point about, you know, the worst part about writing is that you can't even show people what you've been working on. So at least if you're like a sculptor, right, you could be like, look, I've been carving this piece of rock for 18 years. And like, here's what's here's what it was before. And here's what it is now you're painting or you're writing music. You can kind of play someone a sample, but when you're writing, it's just like, you're just going to have to take my word for it. Like I'm working on something. It exists. You can't see it. I don't want anyone to look at it. I don't want to talk about it. And yet I'm going to spend, you know, a, a decade working on it.
0: <laughs> Especially because, okay, sorry, we should go. But, you know, I'm thinking obviously movies take a long time, right? Mm. That, that, that is, there's so That's much. True. But there's so many people who work on those movies, right? You could have hundreds of people. True, It's a team. And writing is just like, okay, I'm going to change the sentence again or I don't know. Anyway, the struggle is real, (laughs) but, but the payoff is great. I mean, then you get these fabulous books and it's amazing. So anyway, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you
2: so much for having me.
0: It was my pleasure. All right. Take care. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of moms don't have time to read books.